So to quote one of the Buddha's guidances, he says, when your virtue is purified and your view is straight, then you should establish sati, mindfulness, in the three ways, internally, externally, and both together. (laughs) And then he lays out that for the four places, domains to establish this process on. And this gives us a kind of template. Naturally, we have all kinds of things going on for us in our lives, in our minds, and uh, that has to be something we want to look into uh, without getting tangled up, reacting, skewering, deflecting, all the kind of things that we sometimes do just to be able to manage and get on. And then we've got a time to unpack, clean the house. So, when your virtue is purified and your view is straight, we've been looking at virtue, touched into that yesterday. And it's ongoing, of course. Your view is straight. What is the view? Mm. Right view. Very simply speaking, right view recognises there are causes and effects and there are skillful conditions that give rise to skillful effects and unskillful conditions give rise to unskillful effects or karma. So when you've got that sense, it means everything you do, think, say has some significance. Hmm. That's a certainly that's an incentive to be alert, isn't it? Since so much stuff does things to be happening spontaneously in a random knockabout way, actually it's not (laughs) it's consequences of what's been happening in our lives yeah so that's we look into that yes this is memory this is attitude this is uh, what i think is normal this is what i'm concerned about this is what i'm happy about you know these are all conditions that we inherit now with establishing mindfulness you're saying well let's just put that to one side for a moment and really look at cause and effect in terms of what I'm doing, not what I've inherited, what I'm doing right now. Sometimes we think karma just means all the stuff you've inherited. That's old karma, vipaka, probably more important, what you're doing right now. So, what we're going to be doing right now is establishing clarity and sense of um, full awareness where our minds are going, what we're inclining to. And so that, for that purpose, we exercise the mind, exercise attention, exercise awareness, exercise intention. I'd like to bring these three um, aspects into your thinking process. So attention, the ability to form a focus. We can all do that. But it goes everywhere, doesn't it? You can focus on well, any sight, sound, thought, memory. It can just go anywhere. So trying to establish a focus that's purposeful, useful, not just absorbing any old stuff, not just getting fixated on 
grievances or passions or worries or fantasies. Just no, let's just get that attention, exercise it. Mm. Intention, what's the purpose? Generally our intention is to get something done, to get to the next thing, to make something happen, to avoid something happening, to plan for the future, so on and so on and so on. Intention, your aim, is, hmm, let me be mindful. (laughs) Let me sustain attention on a chosen theme. Why? Because then we're governing intention. Otherwise intention, which is our do-it faculty, just spins out. And if we all recognize, we can get completely overwhelmed and flooded just sitting still on a chair. (laughs) You can get totally overwhelmed. (laughs) You might, oh, I should tell you if I do that tomorrow. No, no, no. Oh, my goodness, is that too? Because it's it's more or less infinite. The mind can create anything. So no, your intention is not to do that. Your intention is just to what? Well, let's put it somewhere, say, just this simple fact of embodiment. And as I'll talk more about that, but suitable intention, something that's non-contentious, it's not erudite, it's not obsessive, it's not passionate, it's not aversive, it's just plain. There is a body here. Mm Mm-hmm. We can learn something about that. We can learn to stabilize our attention on it. It's a constant factor wherever we go, there it is. So it's handy, it's available, it's not a belief system. Third faculty of, of, of what our minds operate is awareness. We're always, mind is always able to receive things. It's receptive. It's a basic function of consciousness is... It has awareness in it. Normally it's awareness plus. We're aware plus we then judge and measure. Just receptivity, emphasizing the receptive aspect, the ability to listen, you could say. Why is that? Because if we listen deeply, we're going to decide, don't bother to act on that one. That one's definitely unwholesome. This one looks interesting. This one's a good idea, but I can't get there. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see? So your awareness helps you to decide, as you can sense, whether something's useful or not useful, skillful or unskillful, stressful or not stressful. Right. It does that. You can feel it. Mm. Okay, well then don't put that aside. So your awareness acts as the as the <coughs> receptor and the arbiter of what you focus on. Rather than what I should be doing, what I'm supposed to be doing, how I can get concentrated, what I read in a book about. You know, maybe, maybe so, but let's just um, see what we can find as we stabilize into what's a suitable theme to keep listening into, to keep tuning into. And the Buddha says, well, there's, there's much to be benefited from by just tuning into this body. So he established these four places, first being body, body externally. I mean, the body, as, it, as external contacts come to it, 
cold, warm, physical sensations, touches, tactile. Internally, the body in itself as it feels bright or dull, tense or relaxed, uh, mm, loose or compressed, uh, balanced or imbalanced. Mm. This is very significant because if you begin to track what's happening internally, that's really not dependent upon time or place. Yeah. Is it? So, you know, whatever the weather's doing, that's something you can't have much say over, but internally, whether you're bright or dull, open or closed, balanced or wavering, there's something you could do about that. <laughs> because the internal body is the receptive aspect, so we tune into that, so just, just put some steadiness there, just hold it steady. If the body feels stagnant, dull, just lengthen it a little bit, widen it a little bit, take a little bit of a deeper breath. So you can actually start to work on your internal body, your energy body. Why is that? Well, because this very much takes you into the second place of mindfulness, which is feeling. Mm. Normally a feeling, physical feeling, dependent upon what physical contact we have, touches, and so forth. Mm. Internal body, dependent upon internal conditions such as vigour, dullness, sleepiness, uh, restlessness, internal conditions. So then we find, well, as the Buddha is recommending, there is a kind of feeling that is beneficial that doesn't come from senses touch, or what the mind makes out of sight and sound. It's a kind of feeling that's not of the fleshly or, or sensual level. And this is the feeling that arises in the heart, which is the third establishment. And these feelings that arise in the heart are the sense of gladness when one is coming out of gloom. A sense of uh, ease when one's coming out of stress. That's a happy feeling. A sense of conviction when one is coming out of doubt. That's an agreeable feeling. Mm. These are skillful, agreeable feelings. Mm. The sense of kindness is an agreeable feeling. Mm. Mm. The sense of Applying oneself steadily and appropriately has a sense of cool, agreeable feeling to it. Yes, I am doing the right thing. Yes, this is good. I feel good about myself. I feel dignified. I feel clear what I'm doing. This lifts me up. It may be hard work, but I'm enjoying it. That's a skillful feeling. And when these skillful feelings in the citta, which is the quality of heart we we're talking about, naturally lead to the jitta becoming, the heart becoming steady and expansive. Mm. Now if you bring your awareness into that, sensing into that, it begins to become very comfortable and steady. And this leads to the elimination of 
unskillful factors and the promotion and amplification of what's good and beautiful. The fourth, establishment. So these all line up. You can ask questions about that later on. So I'm just sketching through this line. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying for a start, several things. Meditation is not about concentrating in a sense in which we might normally use that. It's not about restricting your attention to a particular point, sensation, and focusing on that to hold it steady. But it is about bearing something in mind, mindfulness. So that's a kind of concentration. I'm not rambling all over the place. In a certain sense of mm, useful. And through that process, learning and Placing in awareness, trusting awareness, placing that receptivity. How does that feel to you? That thought, how does that feel to you? Jangly, pleasing, stressful. Where does it go to? Does it take you into a tangle or does it take you to a cool, clear place? Now your awareness can do that. You don't come in with a pre-established set of judgments about what you should and shouldn't feel or think or sense. You come in, well, let's see. Maybe I got it wrong. We have to have that attitude in our practice, always a beginner. And you begin to sense, yeah, bearing this in mind takes me into a tight, narrow place. Bearing this in mind takes me to an open, bright place. Which do you prefer? Which takes you to stress and which takes you out of it? That's the aim of the Buddha's teaching. You find out. (laughs) Because it's going to, as you open your awareness, then what's going to come in is all the content of your mind. And of course, your senses. <laughs> but actually, we're putting a bit of a filter on that, just saying, well, just actually stay in your body. You can experience all of this within your body because that inner body right, that I mentioned, that sense of energy or sensitivity within your body that actually receives all the emotional impressions that land. If they land in your heart, your body will feel it internally. You'll feel happy, excited. You'll feel sad and stressed. You'll feel upset and annoyed. And that will be not just an idea, that will have some, a certain sense of energy start to move. We all recognise that, don't we? Energy start moving. Where do they move? You say, they move through my heart. Yes. Don't you notice anything happening in your body internally? Do you feel yourself getting heated up? A bit jangly, a bit kind of tight or tense or flustered? Surely. (laughs) You notice that. But we tend to not notice it if we're just focusing on the topic. Like... This person really annoys me because he's this, that, and this, that, and this, that. And then you get the fine detailed description of the person out there who's annoying you. You're not noticing the person in here. (laughs) 
which is the only one you can deal with, <laughs> who's feeling annoyed, you see. Okay, I'm feeling, how does that feel? Feel kind of a lot of energy running into my chest, my face is lighting up, my eyes feel quite intense. Is this for your welfare? Does it make you feel better? Is it going to change him? <laughs> so how do you come out of that? Well, you focus on those qualities you're experiencing in your body, in this inner sense of the body, and you keep stretching, gently extending your awareness to include aspects of your body that aren't being activated. So, for example, the soles of my feet never get angry. That's not their function. They never worry. My knees never worry. They complain in their own little way, but they don't worry about the weather or whether the yurt's going to be okay or whether the dinner's going to be on time. They just they don't do that. You can feel it in your stomach and start getting knotted with worry. You feel angry, that comes up into your face. You feel frightened, it goes down into your belly. You feel happy, your chest opens up. But you go down to your feet, they're pretty neutral about all of it. <laughs> so that's not their job. So if you're just extending from an activated place, in a steady, smooth, like you're blowing a balloon, all the way down to places that are just there, it gives that energy a chance to discharge. Ah, what was all that about? So you become cool. And then of course you can return to the topic that bothers you with it from a cool place. Say, well, he's like this, he's like that. I don't think it's worthwhile associating with him or something like that. It's just a measured assessment. But it's not getting under your skin. And literally, life does get under our skin. (laughs) And that makes us feel very uh, vulnerable. And then closed down. We don't want to know anything because it just bothers me too much and I can't manage it. So we close. It's not good. How to be open, uncompressed, unrestricted, unconstricted, without getting flooded and shredded by what happens, or stirred up. Well, this is what we, this is possible. And that's kind of what realistically, really, very realistic and everyday usefulness of mindfulness of these four places. So when we're mindful of worry, it doesn't mean we're focusing on what worries us. We're actually just aware of worrying as a kind of agitated energy, stirring, often very familiar, good reasons for it. Okay, reason's one thing, emotion's another thing, 
the bodily effect is another thing. Now, if you feel it in your body, agitation or whatever it does, not helpful, not making things any better, not coming to any steady conclusions, not doing me any good. There's always something more I can worry about. This goes on and on. Let's pull the plug on it. Life is uncertain. We do not know, we cannot know the next moment. That makes it kind of wonderful, actually. All you know is, if you're mindful and alert, you'll do the best you can with what life brings up. So it gives you confidence, becomes established instead of worry or anxiety. Very pragmatic because basically the truth of impermanence, characteristic of impermanence changes, everything is changing, nothing is secure, nothing is steady, nothing is reliable. What is reliable is mindfulness, proper establishment. That's why it's called a a firm, necessary establishment. Jitta, your heart, can come free of all this. This is the aim. Now, when the Buddha presented these, he didn't actually talk about meditation. <laughs> In the Satipatthana Sutta, there's no mention of meditating. It just says, be mindful of the body when you're walking, standing, sitting, lying down, scratching, leaning, urinating, and so forth. Be mindful of the body. Be mindful of feelings, difficult feelings, happy, pleasant feelings, whatever. Mindful of the mind when it's... Uh, affected by aversion or passion or love or joy, aware of that, mindful of that. When it's constricted, it becomes, it adopts a particular shape, it becomes constricted. And then when it's elevated, expansive, mindful of that. So just, then all the various phenomena that could be experienced, such as joy or ill will. That process is self-filtering because as long as we have right view there is the good there is the useful there is the beneficial that we can sense place that use that mindfully apply right view to what you're experiencing keep questioning helpful not helpful appropriate not now Maybe later. Mm. Purpose, no purpose, forget it. Distractions, not useful, this. Then the whole process begins to consolidate. And then you have a quality of samadhi that's not imposed, directed, but organically grows by itself through wisdom. This is the kind of samadhi that we recommend. So as you're sitting, um, take some time just to steady yourself, go through the basic process of establishing your body in the sitting form. 
Back is very important. Hips, pelvis, back. That's what's going to hold you up. We are naturally, we're very much more focused on the front of our body because it's where the sense organs are. And of course, we're looking at what's in front of us. So you've got to kind of counteract that to get the full body by giving more attention to your back. From the back of your head down to your hips and tail. And see if you can get a sense of that being a kind of a line. It's not exactly rigid straight, but it's definitely a line from the top of your head, the back of your neck, down to the tail. Holding that line, the upright, putting a little bit of energy into it, getting interested in it. You're finding how the lower body, pelvic region can act as a support for the upper body. So the weight isn't resting on your stomach, it's resting on your down your back on the pelvis. And your shoulders, instead of being hunched over, flatten, chest opens, you've got a nice posture. Once you establish the upright, establish the width. Your shoulders are not contracted, your chest is open. Establish width, length. Use that as a vessel and allowing breathing as you're sensing breathing or bodily experience happening within that template, within that vessel. What is useful in there to pick up as a theme for purifying the inner body Clearing it, refreshing it, brightening it, steadying it. Because if you do that, the heart will begin to follow suit. For this purpose, you should not think that your head is separate from the rest of your body. So then your breathing spans the two, doesn't it? It starts in your lower body, opens your chest, comes up your throat. You can feel it expanding gently, very slightly within the back of your throat. Relax your face and you can get a sense of that affecting your entire head. Breathing in, breathing out. This is a cleansing, cleaning, harmonizing form. So take some time to practice that. Mm.